here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And we have come to a climax in our text, in the book of John, in his letter uh, to the early church that we are going to camp out on. It says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. May God bless the reading of his word. From some time now, we have been in this book. Um, We've been in 1 John. We are now on this Lord's Day going over the very verse that this whole book has really been about. He's given it to us, gave it to the early church, and he's given it to us. And it's for our benefit to know that we have eternal life. To know something. Knowledge. To know and to be 100% sure that K-N-O-W. To know that 2 plus 2 equals what? It always will, right? 2 plus 2 equals 4. Always has, always will. 2 and 2 is 4. Just as sure as numbers are, Jerry's a numbers man, just as sure as numbers are, we can be sure that we have eternal life. That 2 plus 2 equals 4 spiritually. We can understand that. And the Word of God gives us that. And so if you are saved this morning in here, let this be a testimony to you and rejoice in the fact that you do have Jesus, that you know Him, but also let it sculpt you and let let it cut away the dross that is holding you back. You know we get drossy at times. Y'all know that? We get drossy and mossy and, and, and flossy and all these different things. We do. We get, we, get, we get bogged down with the, with the moss and of the world. because Why? Because we slow down and we get stagnant and we forget to start doing and working for the Lord Jesus. And so these things attach to us. And today, we need to be purified. Today, some of those things need to be shaken off. Some of those things need to be, need to be brushed off, washed off, and cleansed off of us. And this is a prime way to do it here in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. This is not just about eternal life, but it's also about walking in Christ Jesus and perfecting, becoming more like Christ. And so you don't say that this is just for the lost. This is for the child of God. Amen. Let's go over it. The gospel of John, we know Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The gospel of John was given so that we might believe and believing have life in his name. John in the gospel, John the beloved, gives us in his gospel inspired by the spirit. He wanted us to be able to believe in the son of God. And so thereby, he gives us multiple and ample examples of of Christ. He shows us all the miracles. He testifies when all the times that Jesus says that he is the Son of God. The whole gospel. Ample evidence that Jesus is the Christ. And then John gives us this letter in 1 John. The letter. 
And the letter is for us to know that we are eternally secure. We can have confidence and be secure in the fact that we have eternal life with Christ. Psalms chapter 45 and verse 1. It starts like this. My heart overflows. My heart overflows with a good theme. And then he goes on to say, I address my verses to what? To the king. My heart overflows with a good theme. I address my verses to the king. That's Psalms 45 and 1. The psalmist, like the apostle John, their hearts overflowed with the same theme. Their hearts overflowed with the same theme. And what was that theme? Is that the king of glory. It is the theme of the king of glory. Jesus Christ. My heart this morning overflows with a good theme. I address my sermon to the king. That good theme is... Jesus Christ, and it always has been since I've been saved. At times, it has been less. But as I get older, I see where my strength, I see where my forgiveness, my joy, and all the things that you can't buy come from. Amen. Our heart theme. 1 John chapter 3, 29 times. In 1 John chapter 3, 29 times in 24 verses. In chapter 3, John mentions he or him when referring to the Lord. 29 times. In 24 verses. In the fourth chapter, the word love is mentioned 27 times in 21 verses. And that's really just in the latter part of about verse 7 down in chapter 4. In this letter, the word know, K-N-O-W, is used 27 times. 27 times. When we apply this to eternal life, we see that the key to eternal life is what? The Lord Jesus Christ and His love and us loving Him. And we can know for sure that we have eternal life. Now let's look at the test. Let's take the test. I told these boys this morning, let's take the test. Remember I told you, let's take the test. Let's take it. And we're going to go through, and I've got 11 of these, so y'all just buckle up because I'm going through the entire book. Go ahead and turn back to chapter 1. And it's going to go fairly quickly. Because we've already slowly went through this. But I want to bring it into focus this morning. And I want to present it in such a way that you can see. Boom, 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 boom. That these are in my life and that they are evident. Chapter 1. The test. The first one without question is, does your heart overflow with a good theme? 
Is the name of Christ and his love inside your heart? And if it is, does it come out upon your lips? Out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. And so what is inside must come out. John obviously could not help but to speak of Jesus Christ. Your pastor loves Jesus Christ. I love him. I speak about him all the time. I love him. He's on my heart. He is is on my heart and he comes out through my lips. John, like the psalmist in, in chapter 45 of the book of Psalms, their heart theme is the Lord being their everything. Listen to what it says in John chapter 1, 1 through 4. Listen to the love that John has for the Savior. As he speaks to him, it's as if he can't, it's it's almost like he's going to burst. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, it's like I can almost see him saying and hear him saying these words. Which we have seen with our eyes, which which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you eternal life. You see that word proclaim? You don't proclaim like this, do you? You proclaim because of something that has transpired in your life that is so wonderful you cannot help but to let it out. And, that, and he says this, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our joy may be complete. Their heart theme was that of Jesus Christ. And because of that, their joy, they couldn't help but to let it out. They couldn't help but to speak about him. They couldn't help to speak about the love of Christ, walking after him and being sanctified daily. They couldn't help but to do it. And so number one, their heart theme Their heart theme was that of Christ. John's joy was was made complete because his heart overflowed with a wonderful theme. And that was Jesus. Is that your heart theme? Is Christ Jesus your heart theme? And does that joy come from knowing him? Is that your life? If you're a child of God, it should be. But if you have somehow lost some of that joy, and you've got your dauber down in the dirt, and you've kind of wallowed in a ditch, repentance is in order to restore that joy. Coming back to the Lord to restore that joy. Opening up your Bible to restore that joy. Are things that are in order for the child of God. But if you're altogether void and without joy, then you need to take the test and see, do you have it or do you not? Is Jesus Christ the center of everything for you? John doesn't miss any words here in in his text. It's yes or no. Yes or no. And so we see that. It's, it's, It's very clear. Chapter 2, listen to it. Chapter 2, and I'm, these two are going to go together. Commandment keeping and Jesus walking. 
commandment keeping and Jesus walking. We're going to combine these two together because there's no way that you can do the one without the other. Listen to what it says in verses 3 and 4. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now don't look at this as a checklist. But guys, this is a way that we can examine our life to see, are we truly walking with Christ or is it just a sham? Was your conversion really just a sham? There's evidence, there's good proof here. Tangible proof that we can know. Do we keep his commandments? Do you keep the commandments of God? That's the question. What commandments? You talking about the moral law? Absolutely. You talking about the Ten Commandments? Sure. But let's go any further than that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that it starts in the heart. It's a heart matter. Remember, John talked about it. His heart overflowed with, overflowed with a ready theme. He addressed his verses to the king, the psalmist did. And that was the love of Christ. He loved him. And so it all begins and starts with the heart. The scripture teaches us that if we're in Christ, if we have been born again, that those laws are written upon our hearts to keep us from sinning, to stifle those passions and those worldly desires. So are you keeping the commandments of God? And then the next one is righteous walking, Jesus walking. Jesus tells us in verse 6, or John tells us in verse 6 about Jesus walking here. Listen to what it says in 6. Whoever says he abides in him. And who? Christ ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This is called Jesus walking. Jesus tells us to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and follow him, does he not? He has called us to walk in a certain way, in a certain path, and we are called to do that. Jesus walking, righteous walking. Take the test. Are you walking the path of Christ? That hard path. That narrow path that few find. Are you walking that path? And we know that the only way that we can do that is by keeping those commandments. That's why we put those two together. The second thing that I see in chapter 2, over commandments of God, keeping those and Jesus walking. The second thing that I see is people loving Chapter 2, 9 through 11. Listen to what it says. If you've got a pen, you'll want to write these down. And the reason why I'm going to choose this one is because the whole book really is about this. And there's so many examples where he, he repeats himself and he, he is redundant uh, to the point where it's kind of mind-boggling, really. And so I'm going to use this passage, 9 through 11, to show people loving. Uh, do we love people? Well, it's quite easy to love Nana. It's easy to love Grammy. It's easy to love your children. Well, I say that. Sometimes it's not so easy. Um, 
It's easy to love those that love you. The Bible even tells us so. But listen to what 9 through 11 says. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. That means he is lost. He doesn't know Jesus. He is dead in his trespasses and in his sins. He is dead as a doornail at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in Jonesville. Dead. In darkness. Lost. There is no cause for... Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him. There is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness. And walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So we see that it's people loving. People loving. Do we love the hateful and the unlovable? Oh, Willie May, but it's hard. It's hard to. I struggled with one particular person for 10 years. 10 years I struggled with one particular person. 10 years. And it wasn't until a couple of months ago that I was able to look him in his eye, shake his hand, and say, the rift that we have between each other is done. We cannot walk like this any longer. That is called loving your enemy and being reconciled to that person. People loving. It's one thing to love those that love you back. The tax collectors can do that. As a matter of fact, they do. But it's altogether different to show the love of Christ to those that hate you that hurt you, that hurt your family, and deserve to die. Because you know you've thought it. You know you have. That person deserves to be take them out. Matter of fact, it's a good thing that we're not God because uh, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So people loving is the, is the third one that I see that is, uh, or the, yeah, the third one that I see um, all together, but the second one in chapter two. And then we're going to move on from there. But before I do that, loving your enemies is hard. It is, but God calls us to do that. Jesus calls us to do that. We see him exemplify that all the way through the gospels. And so we're to love our enemies. Bless those that curse us. Do good to those that do bad to us, right? So people loving is one that I see in our text. That's 9 through 11 in chapter 2. The third one in chapter 2 here is uh, 15 through 17. Jump down to 15 through 17. This is world hating. We have people loving and then we go down to chapter or to to verse 15 through 17 and we have world hating. Hating. Do you hate the world? The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Do you hate the world? Listen to what it says. 
15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Plain and simple. John is hard-nosed here. If you love the world, if you love the world, you don't love the Father. You're lost. You're back up in darkness, back up there in 9 through 11. No life is in you. You don't have that joy. Your heart does not overflow with a ready theme. You're lost. You're dead. You're in darkness. You're still stumbling. Listen to what it says. For all, the th- for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. How can we know that we have eternal life? Do you hate the world and the, and the trappings that it offers? Do you hate that or are you wallowing in that? This is how we can know. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Take the test. Let's move on. Chapter 2. 23 through 25. Chapter 2, 23 through 25. The truth concerning the Father and the Son still abiding in you. Listen to what it says. No one who denies the Son has the Father. This is verse 23 of chapter 2. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Are you catching a theme here? Eternal life, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. Are you still abiding the truth concerning the Son and the Father that you heard from the beginning, is it still abiding in you? Do you know that? Do you go back to that? Is that something that you stand upon? We, we talked about something about standing on the promises. Are those promises still there with you? Or is it just something that has went in the by and by and you could absolutely care less? I want you to truthfully ask yourself. Maybe you are a child of God, but have gotten so far out in the world, you have forgotten the main basic concepts and principles of what the gospel is founded upon. That's Jesus Christ. Maybe you have forgotten that. Maybe you've lost your luster for that. Pick up your word. Take it up. Get back to the basics and get back to the fundamentals of what we were taught in the beginning. Chapter 2, that's the fourth one. Chapter 3, this is where it's going to kick us in the pants. Chapter 3, 
because as bad as I don't want to preach it or talk about it, it's true. And it has to do with us and our sanctification. Sanctification is hard. It's not easy. Every time you put a load of clothes, ladies, in the washing machine, what happens to those clothes? They get cleaned, right? But after a while, those blue jeans that were dark at one time become what? Faded. Faded. Why? Because of all of everything that goes on with it, it just over time, it begins to beat that and wear it down and wear it down and wear it down. Guys, here's the deal. When it comes to sanctification and purifying ourselves, it's not easy. It just isn't. But it has to be done. It hurts. It is hard on us. But it is for our good. Don't you throw away my broken in pair of blue jeans, Casey Merle. Because they feel good. You know what I'm saying? And so when it comes to working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, we have to understand that it's going to hurt. And it's tough. And this is why I've got all of these verses marked. Listen to what it says in chapter 3, 3 through 10. Listen to what it says. And everyone, and everyone who thus hopes in him, him who? Christ. And everyone who thus hopes in Christ purifies himself as he is pure. What does that mean? That we are daily examining, purifying, and trying our best to yield to the Spirit in our life. We're doing everything that we can, and I don't always do that, nor do you. You don't have to tell me that. I know it because I'm human, and you are too. But if we're children of God, we will see this in our lives. It's a practice of purity. Do you make a practice of purifying yourself just as Jesus is pure? It's called sanctification. Listen to what it says in verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Please listen to me. If you abide in Christ, the scripture teaches us here that it is impossible for us to continue to walk in that direction away from him. John is very hard-nosed on this. And we have to be because it is the truth. If you abide in Him, I'll tell you what will happen if you abide in Him. As any good father would spank their child to correct them, you're going to get a beat down from the Lord. And it don't always feel the best. There's going to be scars and scuffs. But it's for our betterment in Christ. It's tough. This is why this sanctification, it's a cutting process, a a, a purifying process, a renewing and removing process. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, 
Let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Take comfort in this. If your habit is to practice righteousness and you're concerned about your sanctification daily before the Lord, if that is something that is in your heart, that is a heart theme that comes from loving Jesus, take comfort in the fact that you have eternal life. If you're walking after that righteousness. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, Oh, here it comes. It's of the devil. Oh, man, that is tough. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Praise God. Praise God. One day he is going to finally and utterly do away with Satan and cast him into the lake of fire. It it does not belong to Satan. He will be there in punishment with his angels and those that don't trust in the only begotten son, Jesus Christ. But he has come to do away with that, the works of the devil. Verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. It says it again, for God's seed abides in him. That's that incorruptible seed, the Holy Spirit that's been given to us, that that the fruits of the Spirit come out of. And who are the children of God? Or is by this, this is evident, who are the children of God? Or in other words, by this it's evident, by this we know who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. So the first one in chapter 3 is sanctification. Practicing righteousness. Working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Daily examining your heart. Getting rid of impurities. And practicing this righteous lifestyle. Take the test. Take the test. Then we have love again. And the only reason I'm bringing it up again is because I have to. Because the book talks about it so much. Listen to what it says in chapter 3, 11 through 15. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And here again we have love. And then right here in the middle of this book, and the rest of this is going to go really fast, so please pay attention to me. Right here in the middle of this book, in the middle of this letter, is one of the prettiest gems, it's one of the prettiest diamonds that's laid out for us. And it's right here in the middle. Listen to what it says in chapter 3, 23 and 24. I love this. Listen to 23 and 24. And this is his commandment. 
If I tell my children to do something, that is a command from me to them to do. Right or wrong? Deborah tells Jake Roscoe to do something. He better do it. It is a command. Do this. I love this diamond that's given to us here in 23. And this is his commandment. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That is the commandment. You say believing in Jesus is a commandment? According to the book of John, this first John here, he has commanded us to love Jesus Christ, to believe in him. And I love this. It just stands out. It shines like a diamond. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments, listen, whoever keeps his commandments goes back to what we looked at first. Commandment keeping. Abides in him and he in them. And by this we know that he abides in us. There's that K-N-O-W. We know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given. Chapter 4. Listen to what it says. I've just got two in chapter 4, I think. Yes. Just two, I think. Yeah. Just two. Now, listen to what it says in chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. This goes against what the Gnostics taught. But also, today, it's evident that there are people that believe that Jesus was not real. That he did not really die. He just went into some type of slumber. Uh, But in fact, he did die. He was actual flesh and blood and bone, born of a virgin. He was real human being, but yet God. And here's what it says in the first one in chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. By this, you know the Spirit of God. You know, K-N-O-W, the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And it's not just confessing that he came in the flesh. That's not what he's talking about here. It, it is to an extent because of the Gnostics, but it's, it is confessing the whole life of Jesus. It is confessing who he is. Everything about him. Not just that he was just flesh and bone, but everything about him. Do we believe that? The next one is verse 6. And this is, I think, possibly one of my favorites out of all of these because I'm a, I'm a minister and I, and I teach. And so obviously I want people to listen. And you, if you hear people say, listen, pastors, they say, listen more than any other thing that they say. Listen, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Because we got to be able to listen. We got to be able to receive. Listen to this one. Verse 6. We are from God. Whoever knows, K-N-O-W-S, God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Now, I'm not talking about me. 
The scripture is talking about the apostles' teachings, the doctrines of the early church that we are still standing upon and still teaching. Listen to it again. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Who is, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know, K-N-O-W, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So the second one we have in chapter 4 is verse 6. Listening and walking in the apostles' doctrine. Are we teachable? Do we listen and adhere to the apostles' doctrine? Take the test. Chapter 5. It's where we're currently at. Verses 6 through 12. It's receiving the testimony of Jesus, much like the one that we went over just a moment ago, that he came in the flesh. But receiving the testimony of Jesus, we looked at this last week. The testimony of Jesus that's been given to us. It's been given to us by the prophets, by the apostles, by the, by the kings and the priests, and all of the different things in the Old Testament, all of the sacrifices, all of these testimonies and all of these witnesses have been given to us so that we can be pointed to Jesus Christ and believe in him. And this is what we have here in chapter 5. Listen to what it says. It's receiving the testimony of Jesus, 6 through 12. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify. In other words, they testified, they bear witness, the spirit and the water and the blood. This has to do with his, with his body and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of, testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. You've made God a liar. If you don't believe the testimony that's been given concerning his son, Jesus Christ. And this is the testimony that God gave us. Eternal life. Whoever has the Son has life. Listen to me, guys. I'm almost done. Please listen. Your very life depends on it. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That means you don't know Him. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have what? eternal life really quick let me do this because I'm going to wrap up, wrap up this text and, and, and to do it I have to, I have to do it this way and so it's we got five after just please bear with me listen, listen I want you to pay attention first does our heart overflow with Jesus being the most loved theme bringing about joy take the test this morning does our heart overflow with Jesus being the most loved, bringing joy? 
Second, do we keep his commandments while, while walking like Jesus? Remember, commandment keeping, righteous walking. Third, people loving. Do we love the unlovable, our enemies, those that don't deserve it? Answer the question. In your heart. Fourth, do we hate the world? The things that the world offers that go against God. Do we hate those things or are we friends with those things? You cannot straddle the fence on this one. You either love the world or you hate the world. One of the two. Fifth, the truth concerning the Son of God that you heard from the beginning, is it still abiding with you? Abiding truth. Sixth, are we hating sin by practicing righteousness? See, if we're a child of God, then we have a new relationship with sin, and that new relationship with sin is to hate it. Are we hating sin by practicing righteousness? Do we even care if we are righteous or not? I think sometimes the people nowadays in our society are so apathetic that they don't even care if they're righteous or not, let alone practice it. But John calls us here to practice righteousness. Are we working at our own salvation? If you're not practicing righteousness, you know what you are practicing? Wickedness. Plain and simple. You can't have it any other way. You either love the Lord or you love the devil. Seventh, again, we have loving others because God loves us, so we ought to love others. Eighth, we have been commanded to believe, trust, relinquish all control, and submit to Jesus, the Son of God. Take the test. Ninth, listening, walking, practicing the apostles' doctrine, the truth of God. Are you teachable? Are we teachable by God's word? Do we receive it? Tenth, believing that Jesus is the Son of God that actually came in flesh and blood. Actually came in flesh and blood. Pay attention to me, guys. That's all, that's all I got left right there. Eleventh, receiving the testimony concerning the Son of God. What is the testimony concerning Jesus? What is that testimony concerning Jesus? We know the testimony, don't we? It's given to us in the Gospels, foreshadowed, typed out for us very plainly in the Old Testament, given us four Gospels to account that that we can see the testimony concerning Jesus. He came in the flesh, born of a virgin, lived for his father, lived perfectly for his father, was obedient to his father, and he lived perfectly and obediently for us for 33 years, after which he took on our sin, suffered, bled, and died as a perfect and innocent lamb without spot or blemish. He took on our sin as a substitute. He became the sin bearer. He traded places with us, taking that sin on, carrying it to the cross, nailing it there, leaving it there, making an open show of it there. He conquered death, 
hell and the grave. There he was buried. He rose again. He was dead for actually three days after which he rose, conquering death. He took the sting away from that death so that now that when we die, that sting has been taken away from it and we don't have to fear it because Jesus took that sting upon himself. The sting of death is gone. So he went to the cross, he was buried, and he rose again for us. Bumblebees, when they sting you, they they leave the stinger in, don't they? But then after that, they can't do any more. They die, they go about their way, do, do whatever. And that thing sits there and that pumps that, that venom, that, that stinger that sits there and just pulses into, the, into your arm and it hurts. But after that, it can't do anything else because it's lost its stinger. Well, Jesus was stung. And it pumped all of that hurt. All of that aching, all of that swelling, all of that pain and agony into him so that that stinger could not be put in anybody else. Do we understand that? He took away the sting of death for us. Take the test. Do you know him? If you don't and the Lord has spoke to your heart, this morning. Repent. That means to turn away from your sins and to believe in the Lamb of God who is able to save you and to cleanse you, as the first chapter says in verse 9, to cleanse you and to save you from all unrighteousness. If you are saved today, if you know that you're a child of God, praise God. But go over that test again. And if you're lacking in that test, and you say, man, I'm really dragging in this one, then pick it up. Pick it up. Tighten things up. Gird yourself up. And throw off every weight that besets you. Every weight that drags you down. Don't be tripping over your robe no more. Tie it up and run the race. The Lord's return is nigh. This topic is important. I pray that you'd take it serious today. Let's pray.